And here we go. Hey, I'm Abe. I'm Josh. I'm Anas. And this is the Chalk My Back podcast. We're going to be talking today about what our 2021 training goals are and a little bit about what this podcast is meant to be. No, it is. Yeah. All right, we should just never we should just never address it. Okay. Let the viewers try to figure out. Let, let, it, let, it, let, let it be a mystery. <laughs> yeah. Okay. For starters, my training goals for 2021 are to build out my home gym, which right now is pretty good. I would say that it's it's I'm able to do everything I need to do, which I'm not really training for any specific type of uh, competition or sport. Really, I'm just trying to stay healthy during quarantine and maintain whatever uh, muscle composition and strength I have. I did build concrete weights. Y'all know that, which they did. They did their purpose. I built a few sets, 45s, 25s, and 35s out of concrete, and I sprayed them suckers down with Flex Seal. So they're pretty much guaranteed for life. But I've gotten a few pairs of steel plates since then, and I'm excited to actually have a facility where I don't have to worry about if it rains or if I drop the plates uh, the wrong way, because this is the weirdest thing. Like whenever uh, Ruth, my wife, would be deadlifting with the concrete plates and I would like cringe when they touched the floor because I would see like chips of concrete. Oh, man. (laughs) Really? How did you build those plates? Uh, Well, I was really trying to be as comp specific as possible. So I took the diameters from Rogue's website. And I went in, I went out and found like planters or like plastic was it plastic plant planters where you would put like dirt and whatever seed you were trying to grow and I just cut them in half and I filled them up with concrete and I put a PVC pipe that was two inches in the middle. How much do they weigh? Like, yeah, how did you get the weight? Whoa, whoa, whoa! It's all the questions, guys. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I had to use my my bathroom scale. And then I would have like a bucket of concrete and then I would just like put the concrete cup by cup. So they're calibrated. <laughs> but I don't know if y'all have ever weighed concrete. So, yeah, I don't think they calibrated. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I'm in discussions with Rogue actually. Um, I probably shouldn't say too much, but you don't be surprised if at your next powerlifting meet you see cal- Abe's yeah, calibrated concrete, concrete plates. <laughs> God. No but thanks. you know what the thing about concrete that you don't take into account? Because no so one how, really how cares. Well, okay, you know, let me get to that point. Uh, <laughs> when I when I put them in the container, they weighed like 46, 47 pounds. But when concrete dries, the water evaporates and they get lighter. Mm. So after the weight, they're like 43, 42. So not too far off from what like standard Olympic plates, uh, cast iron plates would vary. Because, you know, like, in most commercial gyms, those 45 plates don't weigh 45 pounds. They have a, f- a certain level of variability. Yeah. They're mostly on the heavier ends. They're usually not like lighter than 45, though. So, good point. That's also why I uh, I have been buying steel plates. And I have a, I have a, a, a working set of uh, steel plates now. So, I have the concrete plates kind of just laid out nice. for the nostalgia, but I have enough concrete I have enough steel plates and I've actually bought some bumpers too. So, uh the goal inevitably is to train for a powerlifting meet using only the equipment I have <laughs> at my home gym to to, you know, meet uh meet or exceed the previous uh max attempts that I've had at uh previous powerlifting meets. So, that's going to be more of just like a personal goal. I would like to be able to say that I've gotten stronger with less equipment and also I equipment. Concrete. <laughs> now I probably won't use the concrete for uh for for that training. I probably won't use the concrete anymore because after using steel plates again, I can definitely tell the weight difference on on either side of the bar. And I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to injure myself, <laughs> especially if it's something yeah. that I can prevent pretty easily. Yeah, I can see that. Cool. I have one more question about the, those plates, though. What is it? So, like, how how big are they compared to like normal steel plates? Thickness? They're about what you would consider. They're they're the thickness of a bumper plate. Honestly, they're too they're too thick. Yeah, you you got them when like uh, gyms were closed and you couldn't buy stuff anywhere. So it's like eh, concrete 
that'll work right. You, sh- you should talk about your bench, the bench you built. Oh man, the, the the bench actually came out perfect. I honestly still use it, and I I made that based off of the the specs of an ER rack. So I got most of the wood from Home Depot, wood that they were going to throw away because everyone's using, everyone's going to Home Depot for their own projects right now. And Home Depot can't resell wood that they've cut. So there's scraps, but the scraps are like whole pieces of wood, like a four by four that's eight feet long. They got plywood that they've taken maybe a half a foot off of, but they have to, they have to throw it away. So like when I went to Home Depot and I got all that stuff, they gave it to me for free. The The bench cost me the upholstery that I got from Joanne's Fabrics and screws, everything else, the, the cushion, the the wood. The brackets either I already had or I got for free. How does it feel compared to like a comp bench? The the material, the upholstery from Joanne's Fabrics is honestly better than most commercial gym benches. Uh, ev- eventually, y'all come over and see it. Um, I think they called it like a marine leather fabric. So it's able to get wet. It's able to stand up to hot, cold temperatures. Um, like all joking aside, I'll, I'll say that the concrete plates were a little silly, but the bench honestly was, uh, was a huge success. Nice. I mean, you got, so you have enough to be creative enough with how you train. Yeah. But I am a home gym boy now. Now, Josh, you are also a home gym boy, but you didn't go through your equipment. I did not. So like I started, I guess, right, right before stuff starts shutting down the first thing i ordered was like a rack it was like a cheap rack from like dicks but it's held up pretty well and since i got that i was just like well i might as well just build out a home gym the hardest thing to get when it came to like making the home gym was definitely like plates the bar kind of yeah plates i got you on the plates I'm I'm good on concrete plates. <laughs> I think I think I got enough right now to to last me until I get to a meet or something. But home gym life is nice with my training. I'm really just trying to maintain what I have and just kind of like really find a balance between school and trying to make gains and whatnot. But it's 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 been a challenge. Instead of training to be strong. I've mainly just tried to uh, chain together like good, good workouts and good, good training blocks into each other and not, not really so much push, but just kind of stay healthy from session to session. I don't know if I want to do a meet sometime soon, but it, it is sometime that I'm, I'm strong enough again. Well, what does that mean? It mainly means when the time is right and whenever I have, I guess, enough time to really devote to like training and peaking for a powerlifting meet because right now I'm just kind of like I said kind of just like maintaining it from block to block and if I get stronger I get stronger but I'm not really trying to push to get stronger if that makes any sense I I still I still implement a lot of the stuff that Anas taught me like back in the day with tracking um, variables so I, I still do that, and instead of trying to push, I guess, the absolute base 1RM, I kind of I just train just to, I guess, maintain a level of strength that carries from block to block. Yeah, because you're still hitting PRs, and by PRs, I mean personal records where you've been able to get stronger than you have been previously. I see you posting on Instagram all the time, especially your bench. Uh, you're, you've gotten to a point where... 300 pounds plus is is uh, relative relatively easy working weight yeah uh honestly that that kind of came about just because of like more and more technique work i remember uh anas back in the day used to increase bench frequency to make more progress plus i've um i've kind of spread out like my training days more so that like I'll train more often, but I won't do like as much work per like training session. So I get I get a little bit more practice in with the lifts in general. Yeah, because I think the the biggest thing I've realized about a home gym is the 
fact that because I can just go in my backyard and drain whenever I need to, it's a lot easier for me to get the frequency without having to make excuses about whether it's worth going to the gym to, to hit, you know, a three by seven set of bench, three sets of seven reps, um, because the drive is like 25 minutes, you know? So I find myself training shorter periods of the day sometimes, uh, but more frequently throughout the week. Do you find yourself kind of just going into the gym, hitting something and then just going back to studying? Dude. Yeah. I do that like quite frequently because some days I'll have more, more like morning classes. So I'll train like early morning before my class. And then after that's done, I'll go back in and finish up what I need to finish up. I think that's kind of contributed a little bit to like, you know, making more PRs since it's less taxing. Plus I, you know, like I said, I got, I've been able to get in more general volume and it seems to be working. So yeah, your weight in terms of consistency um, from what you post seems to be, you know, low 400 to high 300 pound squats, pretty much almost every training session, Mm -hmm. high twos, to low 300 pound bench presses Mm -hmm. and uh pretty consistently low five to mid 500 pound deadlifts i mean there have been some uh reps here and there but you're pretty much pushing like heavy singles and doubles did anas teach you that oh no not really we all know how much anas (laughs) loves like overshooting (laughs) that's uh that's more of like what i've found from like my own training perspective because I feel like at that level, you know, strength is definitely like a, like for us, it's a skill specific movement. So the, the skill set of being able to, to know how to lift weights that are that close to your maximal limit definitely need to be trained here and there. Just, just so your, your body remembers it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I did a little bit of specificity to make sure that, you know, I, I can still lift heavy. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think especially with you having such a busy schedule with school and me speaking personally, I know that although training is a huge part of my, uh, my daily routine, whether it be actually in the gym or nutrition outside of the gym, my training goals right now are not my top priority. Neither would be training for a meet, which I think you mentioned it earlier is why I wouldn't want to do a meet right now because I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to put a huge amount of time into it because especially having again a nas as someone who has coached me previously i know how much effort it takes and just people who i've helped for powerlifting meets too i know it takes a lot of time to get a cycle uh, of you know preparation ready for uh, getting somebody who wants to compete yeah, uh, I wouldn't want someone else to be invested in that much time and preparation if I knew I couldn't give it a hundred percent. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how I feel right now. Like I feel like if I were to jump back into it, that's what I would want to do is give it a hundred percent instead of you know the effort I'm giving it now. And that's what do you think about as a coach, somebody who comes to you and says, "Hey, I want to train for a meet, but I'm only going to use a home gym." I'm only going to use, and you can take me and Josh as as examples specifically because we are real life examples. Our home if gym athletes. Josh has, you know, arguably, let's just say he he does have more equipment than I do. What does it take to get somebody through a meat prep with only home gym equipment? I mean, honestly, you can do like about like ninety five percent of the stuff you would do in a in a regular gym. Like the only difference in a like in a home gym. And um, like Metroflex or or any other gym, like you don't have machines, but you have you have a bar, you have weights, you have your rack. So I mean, you can do about about everything. Because like I mean, for powerlifting, you're only doing squat, bench, deadlift, um, and you can do a lot of actually a lot of other accessories. Like instead of since you don't have machines, instead of doing like a lat pull down or something, you can probably do rows or pull ups. So you can definitely adjust and make the best of what you have. I don't think it's, um, I don't think you, you can't uh, meet prep with a home gym. You can definitely, you can definitely do it and you can do it actually pretty, pretty well too. You're just going to have to, uh, 
know what you have and you just have to adjust from there. One of the biggest contributing factors I felt to my early performance with y'all was the sense of community that came with the, with training. But after a certain period of time, I do also felt like my social interactions at the gym were a hindrance of my performance because I, I like to talk. So having a home gym definitely makes me focus on what I need to do. And it allows me to utilize my time more efficiently. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think the, the biggest um, upside to home gym is definitely uh, time efficiency. A little bit better uh, training management, but definitely the the ability to go in and train at like weird times. Is is your home gym like inside or is it like in the garage? Oh no, no, it's it's not outside. It's a uh, it's not in. The, it's like just like a spare study space room that we were using as storage. I cleaned it out and dumped all my stuff in there. Now it's a full on training space. Yeah, the only thing because I I had. I had some equipment in in our in my garage like a while ago when everything was shut down. The only thing I didn't, I didn't like was just um, like when when it gets too cold or it gets too hot, like it gets it gets kind of hard to train. But other than that, like it was it was really convenient. It it gets like that in there too, because I don't really keep the the thermostat running. But I mean, I'm I'm used to it. Like from all the times at training at Metro, like the hot and the cold environment, like that's that's not a problem no more. Like, yeah, I know. I know we make a meme out of it, and we definitely joke about the 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 training factors at Metroflex. But there, for those listening, obviously they don't know us as well as we know each other. We trained uh, for for years at a gym in Fort Worth, Texas, Metroflex Fort Worth, which it's a great gym. Uh, it's an it's an absolutely amazing training facility. One of the hardest core gyms in America, brother. But um, there is no central AC. There's no central heating. So you definitely, you're training in a garage, essentially. Uh, I feel like that gave me a higher tolerance for training. And uh, I guess I, I know how to make sure that my body is warm. Because it doesn't matter you know, how long you've been training in a garage. You still need to make sure your body is adequately warm when prepping for you know any type of maximal effort. I think that's the biggest thing that I've been able to incorporate. Because I do train outside. Uh, only thing separating me from the elements is a thin sheet of mosquito netting. So, um, oh yeah, yeah. So it's whatever the temperature is outside is whatever temperature I'm training in. So I just I I always remember things that Nas would would share, and you know we're we're, we're using him as an example because he's been he's been our coach. Um, things that he would share with us and things that he would give us feedback, whether it be you know pre-lifting warm-up rituals or post-workout warm-down rituals so and us we've been talking about you for quite a bit <laughs> you you've consistently i feel like maybe been lifting your whole life your whole adult life um what are your 2021 training goals yeah i mean i've been i've been powerlifting since what is it 2014 like my first meet was december 2014 um well yeah for this year i have i mean i have a meet coming up maybe a couple actually uh, my next meet is in, uh, I think in about five weeks, five or six weeks. Um, I mean, specific goals. I'm trying to, there, there, there are some numbers I'm like, I really want to hit. So I don't know how, how squatting is, is going to go, but so I'm, I'm hoping to at least PR on my squat. So my best squat in a meet was 240 kilos or 530, 530 pounds. And that was in, um, September last year. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get anything between, 245 to 250 so that's to uh 540 to 550 squat um bench i hit 180 kilos 396 so i'm just trying to chip that or at least match it bench hasn't been going too well so like if i get 182 and a half um everything goes perfect maybe 185 or if not like i'll probably settle for anything between 175 to 180 so i'm not really sure how bench is gonna go but I mean, if I can, if I can PR and break into the 400s, like that would be, that would be really nice. Deadlifts have been going really well. Um, and I think I have the most, like I have a lot of room to PR on because my best deadlift in a, in a meet is 265 and that's about 584, 585 pounds. So if I, I'm shooting, I'm hoping to hit anything, anywhere between, uh, 
277 to 285. So that's like 611 to 6. Um, not sure what, what what 285 is, probably like 628, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So like, and, and for the total, I'm trying to hit 710 kilos. I'm not really sure how, how much how much that is in pounds either. I think it's like around like 1560, 1570. Yeah, that, that would be really nice. Because my best was 685. So if I can break into... Break into the 700s, that'll be, that'll be really cool. Do you see yourself competing forever as an athlete? Yeah, I think I'll I'll be competing. I mean, I don't, yeah, I think I'll be competing for a long time. I haven't really considered quitting or stopping. Like I've been, I've been powerlifting for over six years and I haven't really, I haven't looked back since then. Like I haven't took a break or anything. I, I do, I do enjoy it a lot. So I don't think I'll, I'll be taking a break or quitting anytime soon. The reason I like powerlifting so much is because... It's an, it's for me. It's a good sport to be able to get into once you've done it for a few for a few years to to come back into, um, kind of like riding a bike. You can never truly forget how to squat, bench, and deadlift um, if you've done it enough times already. I feel like there's a certain level of I don't I don't want to say muscle memory because that's such a a lame way of saying it. But Kill. That, that's the correct way of saying it. You think so? Is that it? Is so? I'm not. You guys have a little bit more knowledge around the, the terms. Is muscle memory like maybe that's its own podcast topic? But like, is muscle memory really like a thing? Can my muscles remember things? Yeah. So like they they can. I mean, they've just like you can remodel them so that they can you know lift weight. They have plasticity, so they remember you know the stress that you've put on them before. And mu- muscles like they they take a long time to really uh, detrain. As long as you keep up with it every so often, you know, and you don't take any huge extended long periods away, like your your body will will have the muscle memory to um, lift weights again if you choose to take time off. I think it's more of like skill retention because with with powerlifting, the skill isn't. Like isn't as high as as other sports. Um, you you might lose some like some strength and skill like if you don't train for a while, but you'll never really lose so much skill that you're like you're squatting. Like if you take like four or five months off, like you're probably not gonna lose all your strength. You'll probably come back and be able to like at least hit like fifty sixty percent comfortably, and like your skill will be. It'll, it'll feel foreign, but it's not going to be so so terrible that you're like you forget completely how to how to squat. So I think like the skill retention, um, like you can, you can retain the skill a lot longer than than other sports. Okay, so that's what I like about it. That's why I like powerlifting is because I can pick it up and put it down. Obviously, I'm not training to be an elite level athlete, and I don't think that that's necessarily a goal that a lot of people have. Um, and I think that powerlifting is a good sport to teach you how, how your body moves and maintain a good, a good health, uh, both physically and mentally. But why do you like it in us? Well, I think at this point, since of, uh, since it's, it's a big part of my life since I coach, I coach a lot of lifters and like, I've been, I really enjoy, uh, I really enjoy the competitive aspect of it, I guess. Like I'm, I have I have goals that I'm trying to trying to accomplish. Um, I think it's yeah. I think it's just more of me trying to reach those goals. And since I'm invested in my lifters, it just kind of keeps um, it just keeps me interested. Nah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh I guess I'm so invested into it because um, it's really really objective. I mean, you know. Not a lot of not a lot of things out there with um, sports sometimes aren't so clear cut and objective, but I feel like with powerlifting, like it's pretty clear, like when you get stronger. So to me, that's what makes it appealing. Plus, it's just it's a fun fun way to test yourself, you know where you're not going to get better at it overnight like it, it takes it takes months and years of practice 
And, you know, most people don't want to invest the time to push themselves just to add, you know, five, 10 pounds to a, to a squat or a bench or a deadlift. But to me, that's, that's fun. It's fun to um, try to try to increase it, even if it, the progress is really, really slow. So Josh, as a Cairo, do you think you'll be training as, for powerlifting or competing in powerlifting for a prolonged period of time? I mean, you've even coached a few people. I think the most notable athlete you've trained is uh, is Neil. That's that's the long term goal. I mean, right now, I still have some some goals in powerlifting I want to try to accomplish before I do take that next step into um, delving into that because I still feel like I haven't, I guess, pushed my my maximum potential in powerlifting. And the way I see it is that when I commit to like the coaching and the chiropractic stuff, I want to give that like a hundred percent. Like I don't want to, I don't want to half, half do it, you know? So right now, yeah, I, I try to, I try to make the most out of what I can from school and what I can do with lifting. Cause I feel like once I'm, I'm through with that, like, I'm going to I'm going to transition into that next part of uh helping others and helping, you know, the next generation of powerlifters. That's that's where I am with that. So the purpose of the podcast is going to be talking about powerlifting related topics, general training topics, pretty much anything we want to talk about. The the perspective of all of these topics from a ranging level of commitment to the sport in hopes that we can start bringing in a little bit more of a, of a broader discussion and not just from the diehard focused powerlifters who are going to be using technical jargon and things that people like me won't understand, but people like y'all would understand so that there's uh, more, more inclusivity uh, and a little bit more of, of a, of a realer discussion and not just a, of a, and not just yeah. an echo chamber for topics. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I think you've been around, you've been lifting long enough that you're, you basically, I think you understand and know about like about most, like most terms and everything. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it, it sounded be... like you put your fingers up. Did you put your fingers up when you said that? Like most, like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Oh, finger, what do you mean? Oh yeah. Most. Like, yeah, did you no. most <laughs> like air, air quotes, not like fingers. Well, did you put a finger up when you said, Never mind. No, no, <laughs> no I didn't do that. I can, I can raise my I can raise my hand on the podcast. <laughs> raise your hand, Anas. Oh, Anas, do you have a question on the podcast? Um, Anyways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe eventually we'll talk about the whole Sean Noriega and Candido thing. <laughs> That's so stupid, man. Oh, God. Don't get me started with that, please. People have been talking about that since like 2006. Really? Oh, you started in 2014. You don't know? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I remember there was a video of that like young Russian girl who bench pressed like 315 and it was like the most, it was, this, this is a long time ago too. Like she was a teenager and, um, yeah, I, I remember, remember talking about I got it. it. I got it from T nation. Do you remember that, uh, yeah. that website? Yeah. I remember using that too. Yeah. When I would do my Wendler 531 training, um, and I would need to download like Smolov and Shaco training templates. Uh, but I remember they they posted that video and they were like, this is why arching should be illegal in powerlifting. This girl should not be able to lift that much weight. I don't, I don't understand why people want to make powerlifting more, more like appeal more to the masses because it's, it's not for the masses. Like, let's be honest. Like no, no one cares. Like the only people that care are like salty powerlifters. It is what it is. Plus like, extreme arching like that like they said you that's only like seen at the highest like echelon like in in average everyday like competitions you don't see that it's 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 unfair to like just just normal like you know hobby powerlifters that are like eh, up oh, the rules changed gotta gotta do something now <laughs> It's a technical skill that, like, you know, doesn't necessarily equate to, you know, yeah. being a quote-unquote 
good bench presser. Like there, you still have to train it. So, and that that stuff is hard. Like trying to maintain a high arch like that. <laughs> like, it hurts, man. It hurts. Like yeah. <laughs> I remember when we would we would all like I don't know if y'all ever did, but I know I think I've seen Anas do like that stretch where you. Uh, put your hands on the floor and your feet on the floor at the same time, and you try to like do like the exorcist with your back. He used to send us uh, yoga videos because we oh, had. He still, send, he still sends me yoga videos. Oh, <laughs> oh me yeah. myself. Oh, my. <laughs> he just sends it to me and says, "Hey, save this, save this for me for later." Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. I would honestly, yeah, I don't know the whole thing about the arching. I, I agree with you, Josh, to a certain extent that why are people trying to make powerlifting more accessible to a mass audience? I don't think the reason that people aren't watching powerlifting is because of arching and bench of pressing. Bench press. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. That's... I, I think I do agree with like continue, like you can make an incremental change for, you know, towards the right direction. I get that. But I feel like there's so many other reasons like inconsistency in meat uh, directing. Some oh, meats yeah. are shorter that's than true. others. For sure. Um, spectators only go to see the people that they came uh, to see. Like, they don't go and then leave very, I don't want to say never, but they very seldomly will go to a meet and say, you know what? My son did okay, but did you see how Anas did? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think I'm going to go to Anas's next meet. No. I mean, from if you look at it from, like, an outside perspective, someone who doesn't powerlift and they see... You see, you see someone benching with a big arch and like the bar is barely moving. Like what, what do people usually say whenever they see someone like that? And they'll be like, okay, well, yeah, I can, I can probably bench the same if I had the same arch or. Exactly. Like that's, that's the <laughs> point. And it's like, are you sure? Like that's, that's not how it works, buddy. Yes. People say the same thing with like calibrated plates. They're like, what is that? Three plates. Oh, I could do that. That looks I, real easy. Yeah. That's why it makes it less, um, like viewer friendly because people will see it and they're they don't understand what's going on. So if you make it like, if you look at the, like the bigger boys, like the one point mm-hmm. plus since their since their frame is so big, even if they had a bit bigger arch since the, um, like their shoulders and everything is so wide, their, their grip is relatively closer to their frame. Right. So it's it looks even even if they have a big arch, it still looks like a lot of range of motion. It looks like a true test of strength versus yeah. someone who's like um like a forty seven kilo girl who has her fingers on the on the has her index finger on the, rings. on the rings, yeah, and the bar barely moves a couple inches. Where that that doesn't look like an impressive test of strength, right? Yeah, I th- I, I don't that. know. I just I I do agree, but again, I don't agree because. I don't think you can just make a blanket blanket statement and say that by somehow limiting the arch, that that's somehow going to make well, it more viewer friendly. Well, like the, I feel like the rule suggestion think, wasn't wasn't limiting the arch; it was changing. It was the hand placement. Yeah, the like hand for seventy four kilos, yeah, for, put it to like the pinky. So and that then, doesn't really eliminate your arch. Uh, so I I don't think that that solves as much of the problem I think is that they're trying to uh, incorporate that it does. Cause I feel like if someone's trying to limit the range of motion, they're going to find a way to do it. But I, I can see how that would be again, a step in a certain direction, but you got to take into account, you know, women, I don't think they mentioned uh, women weight classes and how that would be implemented there as well. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a, a, I don't think you can take just a weight class and say that, okay, if you're a certain weight class, you have to have your fingers, on the on the bar in a certain place i'm not saying i have any i'm not saying i have any better of a solution um i could see that something like strongman has much more viewer friendly appeal because you see like they use things that you can you you can touch in real life and you know how heavy it is like you know how yeah Yeah. like you see you see a strongman like picking up a wheelbarrow full of bricks or what they used to have like a refrigerator on your back really something like that but yeah, yeah I mean, no, they, they yeah, they used to have a refrigerator on your back lift. Imagine <laughs> in a powerlifting meet having a refrigerator squat or a refrigerator bench, and a refrigerator deadlift. Oh, I don't I know. Mean, I mean, I mean with powerlifting, it's more standardized. So like, you don't have different events every 
like every meet you go to, you don't have different events, which makes it a little bit more consistent, a little bit easier to train for. Where with strongman, like one like one event you'll be lifting stones, another event you'll be lifting trucks. I'm like, well, like you, your training has to change. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, and that's 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 the trade off that you have in in uh, in a sport that's trying to appeal to a mass a mass audience or a larger audience. There has to be a trade off between what people want to see and what's optimal optim optimal training is a subjective term yeah what's optimal what's not optimal but you know you can we've made the the previous statements that powerlifting stays squat bench and deadlift and you can train squat bench and deadlift and if you go out four to five months you come back you have a certain level of skill retained from just doing squat bench and deadlift but yeah. if powerlifting is going to appeal to a massive audience then there has to be some level of variability there has to be some wow factor why am, what am i going to see at this meet or you know what's the potential of me uh seeing something i've never seen before well yeah, think- but if you if you take just powerlifting strength is only one component of like you said that optimal um concept cuz i mean powerlifting isn't just a test of strength i feel it's it's technical mastery of those three lifts right so strength makes up one component technique makes up another component i mean at the end of the day like rules are rules people are going to find ways to bend those rules to help out their their total but i don't think that that's like that's not a bad thing i mean everyone is built differently and has different leverages so to to make a rule to like limit stuff and to enforce it, you know, through all the weight classes, I don't know. I don't see it working out. I guess I guess the main the main like the main argument uh, Sean and Candido had is, well, how it like how come it's the same? Um, you have the same restriction on restrictions on super heavy weights, like guys who weigh three hundred plus pounds and girls who weigh like a hundred pounds. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't. Why would someone with the uh, with a way bigger frame should stick the same rules as a girl who's like whose shoulders are like way smaller. Actually her frame is a lot smaller. Um, Would that kind of, I mean, they're not really changing uh, the whole sport. Just they're basically modifying like, you know, like how now the rule is like, you, you can only grab the bar on your index finger. Like that's the max width. Right. So why, like, I don't see, I don't, I don't think it'll be a big, like a huge change if you just um, change it where 120 plus, like where 83 to 120 can grip the bar, like on, like on the middle finger or index finger and people who are 74 under should grip it pinky or, or, or inside the rings. I don't think it'll it really changed the rules that much. It's just, um, it will just like, it will, it will make them, it will make it more viewable. And I think like it will appeal to the masses. Like if you want powerlifting to grow, I mean, I don't know if people, if, ever, if all powerlifters want powerlifting to grow, but I mean, for me personally, like I want, I want it to grow. So I don't, I don't see a big problem with making it more, more appealing, more viewable. Or if you're friendly. Uh, charity event like lifting stream where ls mclean was uh the 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 host not the host but he was the the he he did a lot of the commentating and honestly yeah yeah, he did he did great honestly at it and i think that that's a that's another way of making powerlifting more mass viewer friendly because they had challenges they had um interactive ways where you could donate and yet you know it would like I had Darrington Wright take a big old whiff of ammonia. I did that twice. I don't even care how much money I, I donated. Like I just, I did that. Yeah. Um, not to say that that could be incorporated a hundred percent into a powerlifting meet, but I just feel like that, that made it a lot more fun to watch. They did, they, they did like max reps. They did um, certain things where they'd have to lift wearing things. Like you could, you could, uh, you could affect what they wore based off how much money you donated to vote. 
Um, cause I, I feel like that's, that's the contradictory of saying you want it to have mass appeal, but you also want it to be, um, exclusive. exclusive. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you change a lot of the rules and people already kind of incorporate a lot of unspoken rules like, Oh, what brand of shoes am I going to wear? What brand of sleeves or singlet or, you know, things of that nature. I'm not going to say any brands cause I would love for them to sponsor the podcast and whatever brand sponsors the podcast is a brand that people should wear. But when it comes to when it comes to uh, barriers of entry in powerlifting, I feel like there shouldn't be as many barriers if we wanted to be uh, ha- if it wants if we wanted to have more mass appeal. Like you know, there should be more opportunity for people to to get into powerlifting. I mean, what barriers are there? I don't think there is many for rock powerlifting. I mean, the only thing you need is just. I mean, do you really need squat shoes? Do you really need knee sleeves on a belt? You can you can do squat bench deadlift with basically nothing else. Nothing, like, yeah, with nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at Joey, uh, Joey Wynn, a good friend of the show. He chains in his underwear. Um, yeah. And I agree with you and us. I think that that's, that's, that's the essence of powerlifting is that you don't need a lot of the extra equipment, but um, in a lot of the, the, the newer uh, generation of powerlifters, you see definitely, you know, more expensive belts. You see a lot of, expensive uh equipment as what other people feel like they need in order to be like their favorite powerlifter i mean in terms of making it bigger i think there's bigger things to address rather than like bench arch like making it more to incentivize like more people like you gotta help the lifters first so like maybe like abe said making it more exciting that's one way to do it having powerlifting offer like money that's another way to do it because then you get more people like you, you get more uh freaks in nature that want to come in and do it just just for the money like you know money makes people do like dumb things yeah, i think so, it's slowly happening though because yeah. i think since when was it when was the first money meet um I mean, uspa I I... started doing it first with the pioneer open 2017 2018 yeah. So, and ever since then, like it's been slowly, yeah. slowly growing. Like, I think even in Texas, we had they had a couple money meets. Like recently, I know um, what's her name, Samantha from Metroflex, competed in a in a money meet. Um, so, I mean, I think they're it's slowly getting better. And then just having like better production with meets, mm-hmm. you know, that'll that'll also help viewership of of the sport. You know, just making stuff like making local meets look better and more appealing and not make it look like it was set up in someone's backyard. There needs to be a certain level of consistency, regardless of which meet you go to. There shouldn't be a, oh, go to this meet director's meets, not that meet director's meets. There needs to be a certain standard upheld in meet directing on the local level, or the local level needs to be completely eliminated because it's not going to receive the same attention as the national or international level. Then at that point, it's just seen as a money grab. It's seen as how many lifters can we sign up for a meet to get their money so that they can get their participation trophy and, and we can be on our, on our way. Because again, there, you're, you're right on us. I feel like there is a slow progression towards that, uh, towards the right direction. But to Josh's point as well, bench arch or the width of, of, of the hands that ain't it, Chief. That's the that's the least of your problems if you want to make it more viewer friendly. I mean, if you look at nationals, I mean the main meets that are the most viewed meets are nationals, the Arnold, um, like IPF meets are viewed. And, yeah, but I mean IPF. yeah, like I don't think a lot of people really are talking about the I don't think anyone's gonna stream or like a local meet. Most most people like if someone's gonna watch a powerlifting meet, it's probably gonna be like the the best of the best compete. Yeah. So like so like when it when it comes to nationals and Arnold, like the production is actually really good. Like if you watch like the past two or three years, and it's only been getting better, honestly. But the only thing like so when when people watch like the squat and like if you watch prime time and you watch people squatting, like it's it's very viewer friendly and it's like it's impressive. People like it's very enjoyable to watch, right? But I mean, what happens whenever Benji gets around? Like, do you 
it's basically intermission. Like yeah. people say, oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom, get some snacks. Yeah, there you go. So like it's not, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not that exciting. So like it's the only event that kind of slows down. Like it just, it just slows down the, like the viewers, like people don't want to watch benching. Like, you know what I mean? Honestly, what gets me more upset about that on a local level, um, as somebody who is MC to meet and has been up close and personal for the entire time, I, I actually, I absolutely do not like when people take the the women's bench press section of the meet as an opportunity to socialize or all oh, let me go outside or and the viewership is is definitely not as much as it is for like deadlifts on bench in general but i feel like women just do not get enough hype for their section of bench press which as somebody who's an mc i definitely put as i put equal levels of attention into any flight regardless of you know man or woman squat bench or deadlift but that's another pet peeve of mine is i feel like you know women powerlifting um unless you're like on a on a top level people just people take it as an opportunity to to take a break yeah i mean that's that's like that's the nature of local meets so you're gonna get you're gonna get a range of everyone competing so um i mean but i mean if we're talking about the most viewed events like the most viewed powerlifting meets um, the bench press, like all the events are pretty exciting. Like if you, if you see someone like, um, like Daniela Mello benching or, or, uh, Jen Thompson benching, like that's, that's pretty impressive. Like Jen is benching what like most guys can bench. She's benching on 315 plus. So I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's unimpressive or I think it could be marketed and, um, be viewed where, but if we're only talking about local meets, like that's that's a different story. But I think that before we talk about arches and hand placement, that there's a lot of like low hanging fruit in the way of just consistency across the way meets are held. Locally, you know? yes. But as far as nationals, because I've been to nationals, I've been going to nationals since 2015, and it's it's been very consistent and it's been getting better actually. I think ever since like 2016, 2017, like it's been. Like the standard has been about the same, if only uh, the production has has gotten better too. Like you mentioned, there has been standardization across the way that na- national and international uh, meets are held. But yeah, I'm talking about the local level because odds are, if you're if you're trying to appeal to a mass audience, you're going to focus on the the local level because yeah, the local level is where you're going to find you know the pool of uh, non lifting people nationals you're gonna you know everyone all the lifters are gonna be there so that's your crowd right but i think you get people excited to compete in local meets from like if from watching those big events watching prime time people will get excited to compete then they're gonna go to a local meet i don't think the local meet itself should be the focus i think it's more of like the bigger events like that should be high production like standardized everything should run perfect True, but I think when somebody who sees that level of production wants to go and experience it for themselves, obviously they can't experience the same thing. Like if you're looking at the Super Bowl and you say, wow, I want to be a football player, you can't go like to your intramural football league and say, hey, why isn't this like the Super Bowl? But you should have some level of engagement to where people don't feel like they were ripped off. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's definitely, there's always going to be uh, meet directors who run perfect meets and you, you're going to have bad meet directors. So can, I mean, it's kind of, it's just going to be um, like after, after time, like the good meet directors will, will rise and like the, the bad ones will get their reputation, that like bad reputation and people will, will should probably stop going. And I mean, I think it's just, yeah, after, after people experience those meets and who runs them, you'll probably find out who's good, who's bad. And like, I don't think there's a lot you can do about that. Cause I mean, you, you have, I mean, as far as the rules, you have a lot of rules that, that try to keep those meets standardized. But I mean, you're all, you're always going to have some hiccups if the, if the meet director isn't experienced. Yeah. I, I, I think it's trending in the right direction. I mean, it definitely has gotten a lot better since when I first started. People are stepping up and making it a better sport to watch and to participate in. I think with time, we'll eventually learn how to, you know, 
fix some of the issues that we have for making it more accessible to the viewer and more and more compelling for people to watch but yeah i like how the the topic was training goals and like we just started talking about like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, what are you trying I mean, to say you're trying to say we didn't have this planned i don't oh. i don't like your tone enough so i don't quite appreciate that okay <laughs> i think it was a conversation that's relevant though i feel like it's something that people are talking about right now and it, it was on my mind i just figured that it would be on a lot of other people's minds and i think that you know to some extent yeah. people value our opinion so yeah, I don't, who? I don't feel like there's one solution, one, <laughs> up, one overarching solution to fix the whole thing. But, you know, little small things along the way are being done to yeah, think, make it, yeah, make it whole, more fun. Yeah, the whole idea, I think, is just like one step in the right direction. Because uh, like, that seems like that's the most, the thing that people hate the most in powerlifting is the bench arch. So like, I mm-hmm. think like that was like, okay, well... We can fix it. Like, why? Why shouldn't we? Am I the only yeah. one that likes it? Yeah, I mean, you can still well, arch, but I mean, like, like you just bring in your your grip a little bit closer, and that's it. I mean, that's. But I don't want to though. So what about that? I, I okay, love we'll go do something else. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I love. Well, can skiing. I bring my own concrete to the meet? You can <laughs> probably bring your own plates to the meet. Yes. I love seeing short stroke bench presses. Like they like. Oh, that's I'm, why you're. Okay. That's why you're oh, holding no, it. Well, like, that, that's cool. We should be able to smoke during a powerlifting meet, too, because <laughs> smoking is cool. I think you can, um, can't you? I don't know if you can do it on the platform, though. Smoking is not cool. I take that back because I don't know. Maybe there's a child watching the podcast and they think that that was a sponsorship. That's not a sponsorship. What if, anything, what if, what if Camel is going to sponsor this? Uh, oh, that's podcast. a well, then, sponsorship. Well, if that's that point, we'll, 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 we'll drop our morals and we'll figure it out for, the, for the time being. One of y'all has to get Marl one bro. cancer for the, for the podcast. <laughs> if you made it this far into the podcast, thank you so much uh, for listening. If you have any opinions, uh, any topics you'd like for us to discuss in the future, hit us up on Instagram at Abe Don't Count. Uh, mine is just uh, Josh.D-E-L-R-O-S-A-R-I-O. And mine is first name, last name, Nas Ambar. Thank you so much for listening, guys. This has been Chuck My Back. See y'all next time.